Millennial Man Podcast, podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, Artie Kulik, and with me here is the most romantic man I know, and that is the greatest other host on the other side of the Mississippi River. That's Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Uh, hi, everybody. Good. It's been two weeks since I've been on, and you haven't told me the topic for today, so it's interesting that you call me the most romantic man on the internet. So. Well, just so, yeah, this is, I'm going to tell you the history of something in our lifetimes, and I actually changed this at the last minute. I'll explain as I go around. Before, I was going to talk about something that you didn't know a lot about, but I figured it would be interesting. I decided to change it up now to talk about something that you probably know more about this than I do. But oh, okay. I have I, I have to bum rush and shock you because you're going to be blown away. So I always start with the beginning of whatever this is, like a toy. I go back to when the toy first started. The beginning of this tie goes back to the beginning of the first Homo sapiens getting together to create society. Since I don't have any written history of that, I'm going to go by a certain myth and say in the beginning there was God and it was good. And then he created the heavens and the earth. I'm not reading from the Bible. I'm trying to remember it. Then he created a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, and then God sat down and watched their dating life unfold. And thus was the beginning of the dating television show. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I didn't know you were going to go in that direction. You started spouting off God stuff. I was going to be like, we all know that's not real. So I don't know what you're going for. So going for here. But yeah, very as much as it hurts me to say, I'm very well versed in dating reality show type stuff. I'm going to cover the gamut of a lot of this stuff. I You're going to have to fill in a lot of the gaps, though. <laughs> okay. But I do want to go back to, or not back, obviously, to the beginning of time or whatever myth we may have. But the first what would be considered true television dating show was The Dating Game, created by television producer Chuck Barris, who, if you've ever seen that movie with, what's his name? Sam, Sam Rockwell yeah. and George Clooney. It's like, I can't think of the name of that movie, Rules. Yeah, yeah. It's But... Chuck Barris is something else. So the dating game was essentially you would have a man or a woman sitting there and then there'd be like three of the opposite sex on the other side of the wall. They couldn't see and they would ask a certain number of questions and then the final two would match up. And famously, there was the Simpsons one where it was like. I already made it with Chantel and Chandra, or we'll be making the <laughs> yeah. waves or something like that. <laughs> Everybody knows what the hell the dating game is. Yeah, I don't the know. The dating game always had one person who would answer just normal, one person who would answer sexually, and one person who would answer comically. Yeah. That's what I remember from watching it with, I, I assume one of our parents, probably our mom watched that when we were growing up. And then also produced by Chuck Barris led to the newlywed game, which yep. was like, where is an uncomfortable place you've had sex and like uh, in the butt? Uh, but uh, <laughs> hilarious. So the point is, these always bring great joy in watching. And honestly, what is probably the most and I'm not talking about sex, but I'm saying the most intimate time of people's life, people dating, people trying mm-hmm. to suss each other out and go beyond friendship or whatever it is. But yeah. it, again, 1965, this is the first quote-unquote dating game show. And then that evolves into, shoot, I can't remember. He's a terrible human being now, the Chuck Will Love Connection. Oh, okay. And that was more like a blind date type show. And it was to see if we could find a love connection. So in the early prehistoric days of dating shows, any thoughts you have? No, like I said, I mean, I remember the match game or our whatever that the newlywed game and like the dating match game or whatever they were all like i said it was always 
where would you take me on a first day? And the first person would say, oh, I'd take you to a nice, fancy Italian restaurant. And the next person would be like, I'd take you out somewhere and then I'd make you breakfast. And then the third person would be like, oh, I'm going to take you to my mom's house. So I just remember nonsense like that where it was always three different answers. And yeah, obviously the newlywed game, the whole uncomfortable place scenario. I remember that. <laughs> I remember years ago, like our mom and dad bought me and my wife a newlywed game thing that we brought to a friend's house and we would play that. And it's always interesting to see how much the people always truly knew that person when watching those. But also all the questions on those shows are always so subjective and anybody could change their mind. Like, I guess technically if somebody asked my wife what my favorite color was and she said blue, they would technically be wrong because my favorite color is technically navy. So I always found like the newlywed game fascinating with stuff like that. And when couples would openly fight with each other on that, that always made for good TV. That's why we watched it. In the 1950s, there's a game show called 21. They did a, a movie about it called Quiz Show that came out mm -hmm. in the early yeah. 90s, which it, it's a very good movie. Trust me, people. Yes. But it, the Quiz Show scandal, because they were giving one of the contestants, the, they were giving a lot of the contestants the answers to make for good TV, caused a lot of, a lot of laws to be passed on how game shows were run. And I know she's been on here before. My wife, though, when she was on Jeopardy, went through just all of the crap legal crap you have to go through on jeopardy and sure. you have all these people watching so when it comes to game shows there's very strict rules even though these dating shows are considered game shows there and as we get into the modern age of these things these are so obviously rigged they're so <laughs> <Yeah>. obviously staged <clears throat> totally the dating game maybe even the newlywed game maybe was a little bit more uh, i don't know spontaneous but as yeah. these shows have evolved in time it has all been a peer peer setup. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, that's the same thing with reality shows, just across the board too. I wrote about it last week when my wife and I are going through watching Thirty Rock again for the millionth time, and they we just got to the season where Tracy Jordan's wife has Queen of Jordan, and the guy who's like the director of that show said, "Oh, we need to get you guys into a couple more takes of an apology scene here. It's what we like to call staging, or in the reality TV business, we just call making it up." <laughs> That's how reality TV, be it game shows, be it any type of competition type thing or any type of just wife swap or what have you. It's all like I watch reality TV now because, A, I do find it entertaining, again, as much as that pains me to say. But B, also, I'll sit there with my wife while I'm watching and say, I wonder how many takes this scene took. Just to, just I'm curious how many times they had to go through through certain things. So let's get to reality TV. Now, <laughs> this is a time I do have to say the only reason reality TV exists is because greedy television executives don't want to pay writers and actors and all these good people. And it's very easy to put these on. But at the beginning of reality television, now there's a show called American Family on PBS. But in our lifetimes, that was in like the 70s. Hmm. In our lifetime, the beginning of reality television is probably the real world mtv's the yep. real world and first one i remember and the real world especially early on was a groundbreaking show was a mm -hmm. great show and unfortunately as seasons went on it became this idea of finding the most outrageous people ever and beautiful people you yes. couldn't have any plain looking people on the show mtv saw it had something with that and so mtv went into the dating game business and there is, I know there's probably some that came before, but a couple I do want to mention, especially the show Next. Oh, yes. I was hoping <laughs> you were going to bring this one up. Why don't you tell me about Next? 
So next is so funny because it is so fake. It is so phony. It is so not realistic. But the whole idea, the whole premise of the show next, I can't. Again, people listening, I'm so embarrassed about how much I know about this. But the whole premise of the show is that three dudes or three girls get on a bus and they go out with a guy or a person of the opposite sex. But like when they get off the bus to meet the person, they would say three things about themselves. It was like, I'm six feet tall. I go to school here and I can make a mean tortellini or just some total nonsense (laughs) at the bottom of it. But as they were on this dating reality show, if the person who was picking the winner, picking the person to go on a date with, if they didn't like that person, the way that they would get them off the show is they would say next. And it would just that person would be gone. And it's so funny, too, because as being a stay-at-home dad with my kids at school, I'm re-watching Workaholics again myself, and I just watched the episode where they did a spoof of Next, and it is... I highly recommend people check that out, but it's just next was so ridiculous because it, it, go look it up on YouTube, people. Mm-hmm. There are videos of people everywhere with their three things that they say about each other, and it's just... The show is so crass. It's so mean. It's rude. It's filled with people who I assumed were bullies in school, and it's utter stupidity. And I could not get enough of it when that show was on TV. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. When we get to the second half, because this was all inspired by a BuzzFeed article that I read about <laughs> okay. early 2000s dating shows. <laughs> it is beyond me that as a society we were okay with some of this stuff so this i was is, watching all of it oh yeah so this is just the appetizer to all of this stuff let me put it this way i'm going to talk about a murder in the second half oh okay i, I think i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah is it spoiler alert? is it from megan wants yes yes it is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is so a- anyways so next there's also eliminate oh before i move on i wanted i remember there's this one next i think it was actually a girl but the guy said the things he comes off the bus when he came off the bus he tripped and she and he, <laughs> yeah. he walked up to her and she said are you okay and he said yeah and she goes next <laughs> <laughs> that rules <laughs> I mean. seriously people like go on youtube and just google next introductions you'll get hours of hilarity and there was there's also a limit date where he it's the same thing yeah, same idea yeah. <laughs> I think there was one called Blind Date where they would... Blind Date was great because that was the people who would be on dates with each other. This was a show that was on late night. So like in high school and college when I couldn't sleep, it'd come on. And people would go on a date, but they would have like pop-up video type thought bubbles where the guy would be like, oh, this is going real well or whatever. And then would go to the girl being like, I cannot wait until this date is over (laughs) so I can go home. So the writers of that show had the wherewithal to put jokes in it, which made it even better. It was pop-up video, but with people dating. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. <laughs> and we're talking, I'm saying MTV, but we got to remember a lot of this stuff was VH1. And Oh, yeah, for sure. And VH1, when I was growing up, was like MTV for grownups. Uh-huh. Know? I'm trying they, to... They would play like Sade videos. Yes. Yeah. A lot of stain. A whole lot of stain on VH1. <laughs> yeah. And then VH1, Justin, again, I'll talk a little bit more about it in the second oh, yeah. half. They just veered into... Uh, Insanity is yeah, what they did. <laughs> yeah, cesspool of just absolute and utter garbage. And my wife and I watched all of it. Oh, yeah. No, no. It's, <laughs> this is the golden age of dating shows was like 15 years ago. And that's for what, sure. So I, I want to spend a good part of the last part of this first half talking about The Bachelor now. <laughs> okay. So this is one I've never watched. Mm-hmm. I've been told to watch it. I should say never. I've tried and I can't get into it. Here, okay, I'm going to put on my, I did take three credit hours of sociology, or I took a lot of sociology. I have psychology in college, so I'm going to use all of it right now. You also have a theater degree, too, so you know theater as well. 
there's this so the bachelor i've never seen the bachelor either and it's but it is one of the most popular shows on tv people love it yeah and i think their original host was a creepoid so he's out one of the producers of the bachelor i think killed his wife in like mexico this show has survived some big scandals but i think the reason why it's so beloved is it's not selling this dating idea it's selling this idea of this is you're gonna find your soulmate which in some ways i think is incredibly cynical that it's you're gonna do this on tv but i'm gonna tell you what surprised me the most when i was when I was researching this, okay? The Bachelor, the first episode of The Bachelor was on March 25th of 2002. So Jeez. it just got renewed for a 27th season. Now, Holy cow. there's some Bachelorette. So I think in the end of the day, there was like 40 something versions of The Bachelor. Because mm-hmm. they have like Bachelors in Paradise too. Or yeah, something yeah, like a whole lot of stuff. I, I don't know how many is what I'm saying, but since 2002, there's been a bunch of different versions of The Bachelor. Do you know that... 24 of those couples are still together. Really? Yeah. That's, I don't know if impressive is the right word to use here, but the fact that they stayed good for them. So the first ever, and here's a little St. Louis uh, trivia for you. The first ever bachelorette, Trista, she went to Parkway Central. Mm. I think she's our older brother's age, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But she was on, I think on the first bachelor, didn't make it. So she was the first bachelorette. Her and her husband have been married for 18 years. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know what that says. Now, I know the Bachelor. What was it? They had the football player one. Who was it? Jesse Palmer. Jesse Jesse Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. They had that one. I just assume all those people broke up or whatnot. But yeah. No, they've there's uh, I, again, I don't know the percentage, but when I typed in how many bachelor contestants are still together, I expected single digits easily. Yeah. But in the high 20s or the mid 20s, like that's that's impressive. Also, so it's funny you bring up the bachelor and neither of us have really watched any of it. Like I said, I've watched a couple. You said you watched none for people who are interested in this stuff, but also like comedy. Go watch Nathan for you and watch oh. him to the hunk. The hunk is incredible (laughs) when he does the hunk and the way he goes after the guy who's the host of the show comic Nathan Fielder is a comedic genius. Yes. And the hunk skewers this perfectly well, as does a bunch of UCB comics that I like did a show called Burning Love. That was a spoof of The Bachelor, which is really good, too, that I highly recommend recommend people check out if they're looking for parody versions of this seen much more of the hunk than i've ever seen of the bachelor absolutely (laughs) and i'm going to talk about some of the weirdness things but to transition into that weirdness because again the bachelor is this institution and i think people are like oh it's got romance and you go meet her parents and or his parents or whatever and the it's, it's all about love everlasting and things like that whereas you take the opposite direction now this show actually came on before the bachelor so part of me thinks maybe and again, this first half's about the nice stuff, Ty. So we're about to get really <laughs> messed up. But in 2001, Fox TV put on Temptation Island. I Again, this is one I didn't watch because even when I saw the commercials, even I said, and this is going to sound contradictory when we get to the second half, but even I said, this is too much. This oh, is too far. Oh, I watched it. And <laughs> okay. It, it was where, because here's the thing is now at this time in my life, I guess I have to say I wasn't, I was not married. 
I had a girlfriend who moved off to Cincinnati and was like, see you later. It's going to be a cold day in hell before I moved to Cincinnati. But <laughs> you and I lived here. Yeah. In so, man. <laughs> so I was a, I was a free spirit and any of <laughs> yeah. my friends who were starting to get married and stuff like that, I resented because no, you need to be a free spirit. So I was all in to watch a show about the destruction of couples, <laughs> the destruction of love, which is what Temptation Island is now. For the younger or the more sophisticated listener to our podcast, <laughs> there was a bunch of couples that had been together for a while. They mm. were basically put on this island and split up every now and then and the yeah. liquor galore and a mm -hmm. bunch, of, bunch of hot women and hot men and stuff like that. And just to watch their relationships fall apart. That's what Temptation yeah. Island was. It's like a, a car wreck. That's how I viewed the commercial. And again, to bring up 30 rock for the second time in this podcast it's like milf island that's what temptation island was for me mm -hmm. was but yeah that's a horrible thing to do and my favorite tv show of all time is the simpsons which comes from the fox network but of course a slimy company like fox put on temptation island of course they did that doesn't surprise me one bit and i do want to say so there were four couples in the original temptation island okay so one of them, Kaya and Valerie, a model and a real estate agent, they left together. They didn't break up. Then there was Andy and Shannon, who they got engaged at the final bonfire and were married in a special reunion episode. <laughs> and then there was Tahid and I, I'm sorry, but Yatasi. They were kicked off the show because it came to find out they weren't married, but they did have a child together. Oh, okay. And as we talk about these shows not doing their proper due diligence and background checks, just remember that, okay? Yeah, and, yeah. And then there were two, an aspiring actor and an aspiring singer, Billy and Mandy. They decided very tentatively, oh, we're going to stay together. But by the time they did the reunion episode, they were broken up. Of course they were. Again, I'm surprised two of the four couples stayed mm -hmm. together. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. As I talk about how these things are essentially written or rigged, yeah, this is still 2001. We're still in an era where it's look, even this kind of crap can last. And Fox did do a couple more seasons, I think two more seasons of, of Temptation Island. And then it's over on USA Network now. And it's oh, okay. it was just revived a couple of years ago. Great when huh. the pandemic hit. But the Fox seasons. So you have three of the four basically are together. The ones got kicked out because I have the kid. So the yeah. next season, there's five couples and three of the five broke up okay season three four couples three of the four broke up okay you go all the way to season five which is one of the usa network ones all of them broke up of course they did. <laughs> not surprising at all yeah they're up in the stakes and then to end this halftime talk about the first gimmick so all these kind of everything we've talked about they're eating shows be they traditional mm -hmm. or in temptation islands something out of the the mind of satan itself but <laughs> yeah you have joe million there this i do remember watching <laughs> because you and i were living together at this point with our other roommates this show was utterly absurd everything about this was absurd the guy the dude who was joe millionaire was a handsome enough dude, oh yeah they, they made him because he was like a construction worker and they'd be like he only makes thirty thousand dollars a year that's okay when you're in your 20s or whatnot but the whole idea to trick people that you're marrying a millionaire it just goes to show that they had their sights set on being mean to people to, just to get them on TV. This is, and we're in the modern age, we're going to talk about how they just shows the ridiculousness of everyone. But the thing about Joe Millionaire, and look, it was entertaining. I'm not going to lie. I watched mm -hmm. the whole thing. 
We would watch commercials leading. It was like a big movie coming out because I remember, we'd be, oh my God, Joe Millionaire starts in two days. Like we were all excited about it. But if you think about it, it was really sexist. The whole point of 100%. this. 100%. Yeah, the whole point of this is that women are greedy. That's what the whole point mm-hmm. of the show. Evan Mary, Marriott, Mary, something like that. Was something his, like that. Yeah. yeah. But he was. He was a construction worker, which means he was in shape, but he also used to be a professional underwear model. This was an attractive dude. Okay, Yeah, he wasn't ugly. I remember that. Yeah. Now, Zora Andrich is who decided she's going to stay with Joe. And even though he doesn't have the money and they got a prize of a million dollars to split, I think their relationship fell apart in less than a year. Of course. When you go into something basing it on basing it on the fact that you're going to marry this person just because they have a million dollars, I don't think you're going in with the right intentions. And also at the same time, so there was the woman who was a runner up. I remember there was a part of the show where it alleged that her and Joe went into the bushes and did the deal. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and, and her and Joe both came out and said, no, that thing was completely <laughs> false. And it came out that she had done some like light porn videos or something. And everybody's like, oh, my goodness. Doing these dating shows, porn is a feature now. Yeah, not a, it's not looked down upon. That was the change, Ty. This is we talk mm-hmm. about these dating shows. And then they decided this gimmick and to say, look how stupid women are. In the second half, I'm going to get to straight up abuse, but we're going to end on just pure and utter insanity. Sounds good. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, She's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week and... It's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, the only way I can really talk about the ridiculousness and the dating show TV scene of the beginning of the 21st century is to introduce you to the greatest of all pickup artists. I'm Mystery from VH1's The Pickup Artist, and I am at my season two premiere party. It's my wingman, Matador. A lot of people here, as you can see, a lot of our friends. It's going to be a good night ahead of us. I'm going to tip you on know, a big secret. You can't really pick up a woman. What we do is, is pretty much just take the best in humanity. We call this attractiveness and body and put yourself in her path. And ultimately, ultimately, the woman's going to decide. Getting out of the house and at least trying to talk to people, even if your game is clunky, 
is better than sitting at home because I can guarantee you something. You will get, there's no chance of picking up anybody or meeting anybody if you stay at home. Women of beauty are rarely found alone. They're usually in groups. So you're going to have to meet the entire group. Where there's a problem, her friends are there. There's an opportunity. Aha! Her friends are there. All right, Ty. So Mystery and his crew <laughs> yep. talking about having game and picking up women. Wasn't there whole his whole deal was about nagging women, which is like <laughs> the worst thing. And also, didn't he wear a top hat and like multiple? He was trying to look like Slash, but Slash is infinitely cooler than this guy could have ever been. I don't understand why or how this guy got on TV or wrote a book or whatever, but he is a despicable human being. Eric Von Markovic. That can't be a real name. <laughs> That's like Baron Von Kiss a lot from The Simpsons. Yeah. Born 1971, Canadian pickup artist who developed a system of attracting women called the Mystery Method and gained Ugh. attention in the pickup artist community. This led him to get into a show on VH1 called The Pickup Artist. Ugh. And yes, you're right. They would talk about how you have to nag women and do all this stuff. Now, here, I could go through all of mysteries stupid <laughs> pseudonym also but it says so this is kind of where if you look at his wikipedia page it says in 2004 mystery firm the formed the mystery method corporation at the end of 2006 mystery left to found a new company called venusian arts it's it, he has left and has since changed its name to love systems mystery's current venture is a company called three second rule named after a mystery <laughs> method rule whereby the student pickup artist must approach a set of people within three seconds of first noticing them. Jesus, <laughs> what kind of system? This is all, this is so wrong and cancelable and just terrible stuff to do. Say, saying mean things to women to get them to like you, but bum rushing them after three seconds of seeing them. Yeah. Now, women or whoever you're attracted to. This is, there is no person in their right mind who watched the show and thought, oh, I'm going to go to that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this starts the trend, too. So all these nerdy guys that were on the pickup artist that all were like, look at how much we learned it all. They were all actors. They were all of course they were. low grade of course. actors that were cast to do the show to make yeah. mystery look good. Now, I don't remember how much you because watch the hell out of this show, but uh, it was like the they would. So they would go to a bar. OK, and there'd be some women, some young college or post college age women hanging out and these absolute just train wreck of dorks who would grow up to be incels so this is the pre-incel group would go up to these girls and be like oh hey you're not very pretty and they're like you're an ass get away from me <laughs> and then an hour later after these girls have been in the bar drinking dancing all this other stuff mystery and his douche crew would walk in and they'd all be like baby you could be so much prettier and they're like oh you're so weird with your hat and all this other stuff so the point is having drank alcohol a few times in my life your view of things change. Sure. That was Mystery's method. Have a bunch of idiots come in and the girls. And again, those were the only people in the bar, by the way. They, it was of course, it idiots, was all stage. Yeah, it was the idiots and then uh, Mystery's people. There's, I think I found out a half price books the other day, one of Mystery's books. And so he, I, that's what I thought, too. Like, I can't believe some publishing agency was like, we're going to let this guy write books unless they were just laughing all the way to the bank, which very well may have been. But again, I don't know anybody who took any of this advice seriously. The whole idea of nagging anybody is so wrong on so many levels. And this three second rule, which I didn't know about, is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. That's worse than the five second rule where you drop food on the ground. You can eat it after five seconds. Now, I want to talk about Jerry Springer, former mayor of your city, right? former mayor of Cincinnati. He <laughs> 
If you listen to another show I produce, High Heels and Politics, there's a sheriff named Simon Lease who arrested Jerry Springer because while he was on the Cincinnati City Council, he visited a prostitute and wrote her a check. And no. that's how they caught it. Yeah, you got to pay somehow, right? <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people, a lot of my liberal friends really love Jerry Springer's podcast. It's not for me. Never listened to it. Yeah. But he, after doing his Jerry Springer show, and there, speaking of Springer, there was always like... Uh, I love my man, but he be a woman or something like that. Yep. There was, I God, what was it? Was it Ricky Lake? There was an episode where there was uh, like, they were revealing secret cu- crushes. And this one guy's secret crush was his best friend who was also a male. And he got okay. violent. And why? Uh, oh, because anti-gay type stuff. But this is a situation, too, where the producers of that show should have damn well done their due diligence before they yeah, put somebody in that absolutely. kind of situation. But I don't know if you remember this. Jerry Springer in 2010 had a show named Baggage. I don't remember that. Oh, OK. Sounds like something I would have loved, though, had I known. Well, about it. so it was like people who are dating somebody. They're early in their relationships. But. These people have like baggage and they slowly reveal, or there's multiple people or whatever, they slowly reveal the baggage. And then they're okay. at the end, they're like, they're like, oh, I can't date this person. Or I can date this person. Here's the thing about baggage. Okay. It wasn't, sometimes it'd be like, I snore when I sleep or something like that. Sure. Or I sleepwalk. <laughs> but I'm going to read you some of other people's baggage. Okay. Okay. One person, their baggage was, I drugged an ex and killed his fish. Oh my God. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> That's what you're starting off with. Uh, yeah. There was, it said they just recently got out of jail. Again, the other person doesn't know any of this stuff. There was stupid things like I wear a tiara all the time. Another person who said I like to make jewelry out of human, human teeth. Ugh. Man. <laughs> Here's <laughs> this one. This is horrible. <laughs> one was, and the guy ended up dumping the girl for this was, I expect my husband to be a stay at home dad. Hey, there's nothing wrong with stay-at-home dads. We rule <laughs> this whole community of us. There was, oh, this is the woman who made jewelry out of her own teeth and skin. She also slept oh. with a ski mask on. What? <laughs> Wouldn't you get so incredibly hot wearing yeah. a ski mask? Another woman said that she was afraid of clowns, but her dream was to have sex with a clown so she'd get over her fear. That's not how you get over the fear. <laughs> I mean, going to therapy for years or stuff, it's, and I'm all about immersive therapy, but you don't have sex with a clown to get over it. Yeah. And then there were like varying levels, the low, middle, and highest. This woman, uh, her lowest was, I'm a real life runaway bride. Her middle was, I have no female friends. And her worst baggage is, I use my vibrator four times a day. That should that, be completely reversed. Yeah, you flip those. <laughs> self pleasure is self pleasure everybody does it who cares but like the runaway bride thing should probably be the <laughs> yes, <worst> yes. <laughs> so there this is just the mess of just the chaos of all this stuff which yeah. brings me up to the vh1 shows going back to these oh, yeah. vh1 shows <laughs> so give me a few uh sampling of some of the vh1 shows so as i said before I met my wife, who I adore and love to the end of to the moon and back and everything, I never really watched like I did watch the real world and I did watch next. But it was pretty much my reality TV was MTV based and it was more in the realm of, again, they're all dumb, but real world Laguna Beach stuff like that. And then my wife and I, we just you like to have that comfort food when you're sitting at home watching TV. You don't have to really think like now smartphones you can play on your phone while you watch it so i remember when she heard about this show called flavor of love 
It's like, oh, we're going to watch it. I'm like, oh, what's Flavor of Love? And she's like, oh, do you know who Flav is? I'm like, of course I know who Flav is. My brother listens to Public Enemy all the time. He's the hype man for Public Enemy. And she's like, oh, he's going to have a dating show. So I was like, sweet, I'm in. Flavor Flav is part of Public Enemy. This is probably going to be cool. Absolute train wreck of a show. This is a show where he would give women nicknames. So they wouldn't use their real name. He would mm-hmm. ask them something and give them nicknames. And there's a se- the first season of the sh- first or second, maybe it was the second season, there was New York and Pumpkin. And they were having like their, he gave, <laughs> so stupid. He gave the girls that he wanted to keep on their show a big clock. That was his rose <laughs> ceremony thing. Yeah. And also, real quick aside, Flavor Flav was at Michigan Games last Michigan's football game last week, cheering for Michigan. So Flavor Flav's still cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, girl, but- he's still the <laughs> public enemy hype man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, there's this pumpkin and New York, and they're at one of these clocking ceremonies, and New York's saying all this mean stuff to Pumpkin, and Pumpkin spit on her. It's a famous reality thing. It's on all this stuff. But the funniest thing to me about Flavor of Love is that Flavor Flav is not an attractive man. He's not Evan Marriott from that show that we mentioned earlier, the people who are on The Bachelor and stuff like that. Flavor Flav is tiny. He's old. His teeth are messed up. Like, again, I adore Flavor Flav for the work he's done with Public Enemy and everything, but he's not. A, so to see all these also not attractive women fighting for his love and like when they would show them making out with him, it was always so, oh, I have to turn my face away from the TV. But that was the first one that I truly remember. And I guess VH1 decided well, we're going to stick with this music thing. And they did a Brett Michaels one. Rock of Love. And for as gross and hoosiery as Flavor of Love was, Rock of Love took that and ran with it and made it 10 times worse. That show was disgusting. Everybody on that show is disgusting. Brett Michaels is a horrible human being. He'd walk around that show with a robe on all the time. And he always had his bandana off, except there were very few times where he took it off and you could see his receding hairline. Mm-hmm. It was very clear. There's this one, he would make girls play games on that show with him where he would call them on the phone and make them talk sexy. Yes. <laughs> and that's so degrading. And these women happily did this stuff. And it's not like Flavor of Love lasted one season and Rock of Love lasted one. These shows lasted multiple seasons yeah. and there were spinoffs of it. Flavor of Love Brigitte Nielsen somehow ended up on this show <laughs> and the two of them had their own show for a while. <laughs> Some contestants from Rock Love got their own dating shows, which I know you we're, said the first half we're, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about one. Yeah. But yeah, like it's just crazy that VH1 found something that worked and stayed with it and rolled with it. And it's, it's interesting you, you bring this up now because at the start of the pandemic, my wife and I were like, we need to watch anything. This was after watching Tiger King and after watching The Last Dance and stuff like that. So we would go on YouTube on our TV and watch old episodes of these because they were comfort food. And we'd sit there and go back and watch them. And it's just like the most ridiculous stuff in the world. And not only did, like I said, these shows spun off to other shows, but they spun off to other, not even dating shows, but there's a show called I Love Money Mm -hmm. where people from all these shows were competing to win, I think it was a million dollars and doing challenges. So for as ridiculous and gross as it was, VH1 knocked it out of the damn park. Oh, yeah. With this stuff. Oh, yeah. And not to totally let Fox off the hook here, but yeah, VH1 had the entertainment. Now, there's a couple of Fox Absolutely. ones here I'm going to talk about. There's uh, one called I Want to Marry Harry. Actually, this wasn't that long ago. This was Harry, 20- the, the guy who's married to Meghan Markle now? Yeah. If you go look this up, it was whole idea again this is 2014 we talk about joe millionaire and that was 03 and how 
just cruel that is to women. This was they had these American women that were coming to this castle and they were going to marry Prince Harry. But you look at this dude, he doesn't look like Prince Harry. (laughs) And the whole thing was this whole setup again. Oh, look how shallow women are. And you Uh read story. This goes back to that BuzzFeed article I was talking about. You read stories and this one woman's like they were walking in town and they would have actors come up and be like, oh, can I have your autograph? And the producers wouldn't let her turn her head. She always had to look forward because there were newsstands with the real Prince Harry's face on newspaper covers. And they didn't want to. And they even had a therapist on this show that the girls would be like, is this really Prince Harry? And they're like, yeah, you're just crazy. You're just acting crazy. So what? Yeah, that's horrible. And that's not the worst of this. OK, now this was actually not on Fox. This was on ABC. But in 03, they had a show called Are You Hot? Now, oh, where they would like point at yes. men would point at women's bodies and say that's what's wrong with yeah. them. Yeah, Lorenzo Lamp. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah, he would have a laser pointer, point at like women's thighs and be like, "You need to get rid of that there." And they would again just beyond degrading. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But until I get into just like I said, murder, the dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There were two shows. There was a bunch of shows on Fox. One, I remember, was like The Simple Truth, where people would answer questions if they were attached to a lie detector. And again, uh-huh. you would just watch people's careers fall apart. Yep. Uh, but there's two I want to talk about. And I know my wife's screaming about Married by America. I'm not. That's just dumb. But that's ridiculous. Yeah. That whole idea of that show is to let people like you and I pick your, who you're going to marry. That's yeah. absurd. So who wants to marry a multimillionaire now? Do you remember this at all? I remember the Simpsons doing a spoof of who wants to marry an internet billionaire (laughs) and it was a millionaire and then he was broke. Now, this is the curse of my entire life, okay? I know who Dara Comber is or whatever. I know who I know who New York is and Pumpkin Uh and and I also know who Rick Rockwell is. This was a Fox special. I think it was only on one time. It was like it was just Uh one showing. Where there's all these different women and they were going to marry this millionaire. Again, women are greedy. They're terrible. They're all this other stuff. And they'd go through all these things. And at the end, Rick, he chose Darva Conger. They ended up getting married because he's a millionaire. She annulled their marriage in less than two weeks. Because first off, he wasn't a millionaire. And number two, he also had a restraining order against him by either his ex-wife or his ex-girlfriend. Sounds right. Fox not doing their work. (laughs) Or maybe they did their work and they just said, we don't care. And then there's The Swan. I do remember this show. This show, it might be the worst show in the history of television. It's either the greatest or the worst. You're right. There is no in between. This show was a nightmare. Absolutely nightmare. (laughs) Absolute nightmare. You would take these women who have obvious self-esteem issues, eating disorders, Mm -hmm. mental problems, and stuff that they need real therapy for, not to be on television. Now I know executives need to quit praying people's insecurities. And I write about this show called Bridal Plasty, where you would get your dream wedding and plastic surgery. This to me is somehow worse. That they literally took these people and created like a Frankenstein monster. And they competed in a beauty pageant to see who was the most beautiful after extensive plastic surgery and no, no therapy, no psychological therapy at all. And the whole idea of calling the show the swan, because the whole story is and it became a beautiful swan is that's so wrong on so many levels. Yeah. Drives me nuts, man. Let's talk about Megan wants to marry a man or Megan wants a millionaire. Oh, God. Megan wants a million. And that's. 
like how I said offshoots and I mentioned stuff, New York had her own show. There was some guy, there were two guys, brothers, who were in a group called the Stallionaires on one of these shows. I think they were on the New York one. They got their own show. One of those brothers is now passed. He had a rare disease and died. But like the fact that VH1 gave New York a show, gave the Stallionaires a show, gave this Megan girl a show, it's utterly ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to actually read the story about this, okay? Because it's important. Again, this is the Me- canceling. Megan, Megan from the show, too, is the prototypical. She would have been on Joe Millionaire. She would have been on this multi because she was. Women are great. Women are the best thing that's ever happened. This Megan person is as bad as oh, that yeah. mystery gentleman. So, again, another one of these typical dating shows, just bottom of the barrel people. So it says here an arrest warrant was issued for contestant Ryan Alexander Jenkins as a suspect in the murder of Jasmine Fiore, a 28-year-old swimsuit model who had recently moved to Los Angeles from Las Vegas. Fiore's body was found in a suitcase near a dumpster in Buena Park, California. They put the show on hiatus, and then, let's see, on August 20th, Jenkins was formally charged with Fiore's murder, and VH1 canceled Megan Wants a Millionaire a day later. Now, the show had already been filmed, so he had done this after the show had been filmed, but it says, the search for Jenkins would end three days later on August 23rd when Jenkins was found dead in Hope, British Columbia, Canada, reportedly having hanged himself. So, here's where it gets even worse, all right? In investigations, it emerged that Jenkins had not only been charged with assaulting Fiore, but he had been convicted in 2007 for assaulting a woman in Calgary. The incident had not been disclosed to VH1 or 51 Minds, the producer of the show. In a statement, the producer said that it had it known about Jenkins' past, he would never have been allowed on the show. So all these shows use background check organization. So it says here... In 2009, Collective Intelligence, the company that did this, did not get records from Canada, even though this guy was from Canada. What is even the point, then? If you're going to put people on these shows, like, those are heinous things that this gentleman did. And he was still allowed to be on TV, and they still aired all. I don't know if they aired it, but they filmed everything. People were in the presence of a murderer and an assaulter, and they didn't know because VH1 and (laughs) CI or whatever they called didn't do yeah, their work properly. No, that's horrifying. No, and look, how do you sleep at night if you were a contestant <laughs> on that show? Blows my mind. There's probably more stories than just that, and we forgot to talk about shows like Cheaters and all this other yeah. stuff. Which man, I love the <laughs> hell the out of Cheaters. Got <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Cheaters, but <laughs> like this obviously is terrible. We don't know how many. There's obviously a lot of other terrible stuff in there. You hear about reality TV contestants all the time. But Ty, yeah. I don't want to end on that, okay? Because <laughs> thank goodness, uh, my I, I want to talk about the modern age here, and we've talked about TLC before on here. I know oh, my yeah. wife is watching some like Indian matchmaking show on VH or on Netflix or stuff like that. What is the? Where do you think the current state of dating shows are, and are we in a good place? The current state? Are we in a good place? No, because this whole idea of <laughs> are we shows, in an entertaining place? We're in an entertaining mm-hmm. place for sure, but the whole idea of dating shows is it's going to get worse and worse. I feel like I'm of a dying breed, whereas I met my now current wife through a friend of mine and we went on dates and we got to know each other and it was really nice. And it was early, early texting. So we only did a little bit of that. We actually got to know each other. Now I look at like our nieces. All they do is text. All they do is like that stuff like that. And I think about my kids, what it's going to be like. So the idea of these dating shows, while they're entertaining, I think they're not so great. Another big quarantine special for my wife and I was Love is Blind. And it's 
you mentioned how 24 the couples from the bachelor are still together i feel like love is blind is probably in the single digits i think if you looked that up those couples wouldn't be and the whole idea of that show i think the premise is really good but the way they do it where you have to propose to somebody before you meet them is utterly insane and nobody should ever have to do that until you I knew I was going to marry my wife probably within the first month of being with her, but I didn't propose until we actually lived together. Like you have to live with that person and know what that person's really like. So while Love is Blind is fun, I don't think it's the greatest show on a greatest show for people to be watching if they're looking, if they're single and looking. I will say for as trashy and as ridiculous as it is, I do enjoy the hell out of the show Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. It's stupid. It's dumb. I love that they have like a little robot sitting there telling them if you guys make out. I think it's too hot to handle. I don't know what show it is on Netflix, but there's a show with a robot. And if you like do sexual activities, she takes money away from you. I love that whole idea for a show like that. It's stupid. And it's funny to see all these like young, sexy singles like trying to not give in to their carnal desires or whatnot. But it's entertaining. It's fun to watch this stuff, but it's not a good idea. I don't think dating shows should be around. And this is coming from somebody who watches them all the time. Now, I haven't seen the most recent season of Love is Blind because I've been watching stuff like She-Hulk and Workaholics and 30 Rock and stuff like that, but watching good television. But I'll continue to watch this stuff if my wife says she wants to. It's not something I'm going to seek out on my own, but I think it's entertaining, but I don't think it's a good thing that we have so many dating shows now. I'll get back on my soapbox here. You don't have to pay <laughs> actors. You don't have to pay writers. You don't have to pay these people. And that's just laziness. Yeah. though. It's endlessly like, entertaining. Net- but Netflix gives somebody like Tim Robinson a chance. Yes. And he creates something special. I think you should leave it. Everybody. People love it. It won Emmy or whatever TV wins. And then so they give that a shot. Are they? Big Mouth is on its, I think, sixth season, and it's just as fresh and good as it ever was. So why, when you have people who can create, HBO Max got Nathan Fielder's new show, The Rehearsal. That's essentially reality TV, but it's hilarious, and it's done really well. So why why continue to make these cheap? And the people aren't real on those shows anymore. They're all too beautiful. To, they're all wannabe actors, man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, That's it, my soapbox. <laughs> no, it is. And going back to the fake Christian God watching the woman screw everything up to these thousands of years later. That's where, such a 90s joke, too, yeah, man. <laughs> where it's, that's what we still are. It's just, I'm going to be honest, I was embarrassed thinking, man, I used to love Joe Millionaire or Temptation yep. Island. These shows are so awful. So stupid. <laughs> and, they make Tiger King look like Godfather 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's nuts. So it's but this, these concepts, and look, good for the woman on who wants to marry a millionaire. Look, you're on TV. You're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to get that moment. You're yeah. in this thing. At least she was like, okay, I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, for sure. Ty, if somebody needs you to help produce the next great dating show for TLC, where are they going to find you? Oh, good old TLC. I'll just do 90 Day Fiance <laughs> for that. No, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff on SeedSing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I did that big basketball preview. I've been writing about characters I like on Comedy Bang. I got a piece going up today about how I adore the Safdie brothers and their movies. So check that stuff out, SeedSing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. 
E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I've been on, I think, four or five episodes of Chucklehead Chat hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams. We're trying to get together and do something again. So hopefully I'll be on that soon. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. But most importantly, listen to me on this podcast, the X Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, check out our Patreon. I was stoked to see that the Democrats did really well in the midterms. That made me happy. So keep voting, people. Go out there, especially the younger generation. Keep voting. The younger generation is what help the Democrats so much. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I swear to God, I'm not even, I'm going to bypass you and go straight to Gen Z. That's the difference. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. And I think we're looking at, they voted around 20%. So imagine what happens if they're voting where the baby boomers vote closer to that 60%. Imagine what you can really do. Yeah, and I just want to quickly say, because people have asked me and did take the week off last week. A lot of it was just due to, physical and mental exhaustion but i actually felt i went into election day not feeling good and i came out and i'm usually not like that when it comes to elections but i came out thinking maybe we actually have turned a corner here hopefully yes hopefully but (laughs) yeah with all that being said oh and before i say that so next week is thanksgiving i i'm going to be posting a piece we did years ago what my wife did with a friend of hers and then her mother. And it's even more important this year, especially after losing my father-in-law, because he was a guy that emigrated to the United States, was an American citizen, was not just a producer when it came to his job economically, but he's a producer artistically. And you know what? He's not some white guy wearing a red MAGA hat. And that's to me, that's what the promise of America is about. So I'll be reposting that. So we'll be off one week, but then we'll be back. And the holidays are here. And I got a couple of movies to catch up on. We (laughs) talked off mic. I got to catch up on Weird. I still haven't seen Black Adam or Wakanda (laughs) Forever. So I got to go catch on those. And I'm working my way through a couple of TV shows, like you said. She-Hulk, that's coming up for me, and I, yeah. I need to get all that so I can speak confidently on what the best stuff of the year was. And just real quick about your father-in-law, I do want to say, rest in peace, he was a great man. And I always remember rehearsing for your and your wife's wedding and playing a guitar with his other daughter, who's like a concert violinist, and your father-in-law was such a big help because all he told me to do is, if you're a fine guitar player, just relax and play guitar. You're going to be great. And... That's always stuck with me. Like when you told me he passed, that was the first thing I thought about. So rest in peace to him. He was great. And yeah, like you said, he emigrated and came to the U.S. and kicked butt while he was here. Yeah. With all that being said, we thank you for your years. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we are here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And happy Pranksgiving, Todd. Yeah. Happy Merry Christmas to you all out there. All right. Talk to you next time. Take it easy. क्षणाक्षणास पूजिले अथांग स्वप्न लोचनी कणा कणात देखिने तुसे सरूप दर्पणी The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.